What is the connection you need for the months and years ahead? Because we're in a world of so many connections and yet so many of us are disconnected, lonely, isolated. As Ben said last week, our culture is fragmenting, not uniting. We're instantly available, yet indescribably alone. We're each searching for this intangible sense of something that will help us to get connected, to feel connected. And whether you're filled with anxiety or anticipation of the year ahead, each of us is longing for connection. Each of us is longing for that meaningful connection, a connection to something that brings peace, freedom, joy. And you know, if we're honest, that connection isn't to things. It's not even connection for connection's sake, more followers. The connection we need is love. And you might be here this evening thinking, what am I doing in church? How did I find myself here? And I hope you feel welcome. I hope that this evening as you meet people in the church, as you meet with God, hopefully, you will find a connection that sustains and satisfies you for the year ahead. Our passage tonight is about that type of connection, about a connection that is forged through love, that sustains and satisfies us. We read in Luke's Gospel, which is an account of Jesus' life and ministry, and it's a great place to start. If you've never read the Bible, pick up Luke's Gospel. It's just a story of what Jesus did in his life and what he did in his ministry. And our passage is about God's plan for connection to every human heart. So I'll read the passage. It's in Luke 3, 15 to 22. And I'm going to read it in the message version. Because if you have heard the story of Jesus' baptism, which this passage is about, then it might be quite familiar. So the message version is just from a different angle. So that hopefully brings it to life. So Luke 3, 15. The interest of the people was now building. They were all beginning to wonder, could this John, John the Baptist, be the Messiah? But John intervened. I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite this kingdom life. He's going to bring a fire, a Holy Spirit, that he'll place within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything in its proper order in front of God. Everything false, he'll put out in the trash to be burned. There was a lot more of this. Words that filled the people with strength. Words that filled the people with heart. The message. But Herod, the ruler, stung by John's rebuke in the matter of Herodias, his brother's wife, his brother Philip's wife, Herod stole his brother's wife. It's not a good thing to do. The Bible seems to be against that, so don't do that. He capped this long string of evil deeds with this outrage. He put John in jail. And after all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized. And as he was praying, the sky opened up. And the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descending, came down on Jesus. And along with the Spirit, a voice that said, You are my Son, chosen, marked by my love, the pride of my life. Jesus' baptism shows us God's plan for connection. It's the archetype. It's the blueprint for every human being. A connection to God. 
the God who made you and loves you. The reason we celebrate when in the church we baptize people is because it's an outward sign. Getting in a pool is the outward sign of an inward reality. We go down into the water to signify all the things that we're letting go of. All the things that have bound us, that have kept us prisoner, are just washed off. As our passage says, making a clean sweep. And then we come up out of the water and we have this new connection with God. And the words that God the Father speaks over Jesus at his baptism, they become the words that he speaks over us. You are my son. You are my daughter. You're marked by my love. You're the pride of my life. You're chosen. What words to hear God speak over you this year. And he says them to each one of us here gathered this evening. And yet I, I love words. I love the way that words can emote something out of someone. I love the way a good speech can kind of give you those goose pimples. And if you've ever heard of love languages, it's just a tool that is used to um, understand how we best give and receive love. Then my love languages are words and touch. So my wife always says that I'm a bit like a Labrador and I just need to be stroked and told that I'm a good boy. Which is kind of true. But even if your love language isn't words, words are powerful. And there is power in these words that God speaks over us. And each of us should hear these words afresh or for the first time in 2020. Words that speak of a new connection on offer this year. You are my child. You're chosen. You're marked by my love. You're the pride of my life. Do you believe that God says those things over you this evening. Because there are two things I want us to notice from this passage as we think about the year ahead, as we think about this new connection. And the first is, which is so crucial, you were made for love. And the second, that you were made to love. I remember when I was eight years old and my brother was just four years old, He um, and I used to play football in the hall with a tennis ball. And we named this game Hall Football. We came up with it all by ourselves. And my dad used to always hear us playing in the hall. And he'd just shout from the kitchen or wherever he was, stop playing football in the hall. Somebody's going to get hurt. And we would ignore him. Because it was so exhilarating. If I could tell you the rush you get from playing hall football. It's a tight space. The bottom step of our staircase is my goal. And I'll defend it with my life. The porch door that goes out onto the porch with windows either side. The width of the door is my brother's goal. Yeah, he's four years younger. But he's very talented at hall football. So I needed to beat him. I needed to win. I just had this primal desire to defeat my brother. And so as we were getting closer to dinner and my dad was in the kitchen, I slid in to stop my brother getting past me and I tripped him. And his head went through the glass window in the porch. The glass shattered and he turned around with a huge shard of glass in his forehead and blood started pouring down his face. And I did what I think we could probably all agree all good siblings would do. 
which is go, shh, don't tell dad. It's just a huge shard of glass in his head. And you know, my, the first thing my dad did was he came running from the kitchen. Of course he knew we were still playing hall football. Of course he heard what was going on. And I heard my dad run from the kitchen and he ran and he picked us both up, threw us in the car and we went to the hospital. But each of us can be a bit like I was with my dad, with God. Each of us can kind of want to go, shh, don't tell God. Trying to hide all the things in our lives, keep them quiet, as though he doesn't know, as though he doesn't see. Thinking that we can't come to him, otherwise he could be disappointed. Or angry when we've got things wrong, which we all do. Or when we've messed up, which we all have. So often we think we can't fathom a father who loves us. Because instead we dread the divine who would be disappointed in us. But that is not like the reality of the God we see in this passage. Of the God we worship tonight. That is not who he is. Just like my dad, he already knows what's going on. We don't need to hide anymore. We don't need to hide anymore. God is not blind to our struggles or distant from our misdemeanors. Instead, like a good father, he wants to come close, gather you up and say, I just love you. I love you. Don't be like an eight-year-old me this year, trying to hide what my dad already knew. Come instead to God confident That he knows everything about you. He created you. He knows the good and all the bad. And yet he loves you infinitely. You were made for love. God created you because of his love for you. And since you were born, he's been singing over you. Those words that he he says over Jesus. And he'll continue singing over you in 2020. And for the rest of your life, these words, you are my child. You're chosen. You're marked by my love. You're the pride of my life. This is the message. This is the thing we're longing for. This is the thing that our hearts groan for. Love. Unconditional. This is the message which our passage says gives strength to the people. Gives heart to the people. That satisfies, that sustains. And you know, if you've been a Christian in here for a while... You never graduate from this love. You never move on to stage two where you suddenly decide you can earn it by performing or striving. You never graduate from the simplicity that you are loved. You can only ever go deeper into a realization, into a revelation of that love. That you were made for love. You are so loved. And if at points this year you doubt that love... We have a moment in history, the crux of history, the cross, where Jesus died on a cross because God sent his only son for us to die in our place so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our brokenness, so that we would no longer be disconnected by the rubbish in our lives, so the path would be cleared for us to receive God's love. You know, our problem is not that we don't love God enough. Our problem is that we don't understand how much he loves us. 
this year, don't try and muster up, you know, this love for God. I just really need to love God more. Oh, if only I really loved God more. Don't try and muster up using all your strength and effort to create a love for God. Instead, meditate on the truth that you are loved. You were made for love. Because our love for God is always a response to his love for us. Doesn't it say in scripture, we love because he first loved us in 1 John. And when we truly grasp the depths of love that God has for us, when we realize that he doesn't view us with disappointment, but instead he delights in us, then we'll understand that he wants to spend time with us. He wants to connect with us. You know, he loved you before you'd ever made your mind up about him. He loved you before you ever even had a mind. And you were made for a connection of love, which sustains and which satisfies, a connection to your creator, a connection to the father who longs for his beloved to be a people who receive that love. To be a people who allow that love to reach to the deepest parts of themselves. You were made for love. And this is a strong kind of love. It's a love which in our passage it says it rips open the sky to declare itself. It's a love that can transform our lives just like Connor was saying. It's a love that is so powerful it can't be contained. You were made for love and you were made to love. And when we spend time with God letting him tell us how much he loves us, when we read the Bible, when we pray, When we spend time alone with God, when we gather on a Sunday or maybe in a midweek in our connect groups, which is just like a smaller gathering, kind of like a Sunday. It will change us. It will change us, as the passage says, from the inside out, like a seed planted in your heart that starts to grow and bear fruit in your life. And perhaps you've experienced that in part. That slow process of being changed by God's love from the inside out. I love the picture of that that C.S. Lewis paints as he writes these words. He says, imagine that you're a living house. And God comes to rebuild that house when we accept his love for us. And at first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right. He's fixing the leak in the roof. And you knew that those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But then he starts knocking the house around a bit more. And it seems to hurt in a way. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house to the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here. Putting up a new floor there. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he's making you into a palace. Because he intends to come and live there himself. I love that image of being changed from the inside out. God longs to live in us by his Holy Spirit so that day by day he can reveal how much he loves us. So that day by day we can hear the still small voice of calm which just whispers the love of God to us. That casts out fear. You know the truth is that you won't love other people Until you know you are loved by the source of love, by God, who is the definition of love. That's what happened in my life. Look at me. I'm not necessarily someone you would think 
feels comfortable in prison? Maybe you do. (laughs) Seems like you do. But I have, over five years, gradually been changed by God. He's been changing my heart. And I now have this love for the prisoners, for people I've never met and on paper I don't seem to have much connection with. Stick your hand up if you've seen Gareth Malone go into Aylesbury Young Offenders Prison, the man who does the choirs wherever he goes. Well, that's a kind of accurate representation of what it's like when I walk into a prison. Lots of the prisoners are going, who is this white middle class guy who keeps coming around and saying, I love you guys. (laughs) You know, it's madness, but my heart has been changed by God so that he helps me to love other people. Jesus is our blueprint. Even Jesus modeled this paradigm that at his baptism, he received the Father's love. He hears the voice of delight. And only then, only then does he start his public ministry, start to go on and love other people. He was secure in his status as loved. So then he could love other people. And that's the story of countless other Christians throughout the centuries who've received this offer of love, who've received this offer of a new connection that satisfies and sustains. And there'll be an opportunity in a moment for us to receive that offer from God. My friend Claude used to be a drug dealer, used to be. He is about this tall and stacked. And he used to be a drug dealer for many years, so he's part of that. He was part of that world that came with it, all the violence, all the insecurities. And I said to Claude, who has now met this God of love, I said to him, I texted him saying, Claude, what, what difference has it made meeting this God of love? And he wrote back these words, I found value in myself and therefore began to see value in others. I struggled to love myself when I was younger, but when I discovered that God made me because he loves me, and he loves me because he made me, it helped me to begin to start loving myself. My sympathy and empathy grew greatly. The baptism of Jesus models God's plan for connection. His plan A, his plan B, his plan C, his plan D, his plan so on is to love you unconditionally, unrelentingly, to the point where you would know that you were made for love. You were made to be a receptacle, to be something that receives the love of God. That's what we're made for. And once we receive that love, it's a love which changes us into people who have the power and capacity to love others, to overflow with love to others. This is the connection we need for our lives. This is the connection we need for the year ahead. I love Charlie Mackesy um, has just released a book of all his little drawings. And it was World Book of the Year for Waterstones. But there's this beautiful simplicity to lots of his art now. And on it, there's a picture of a boy and a mole. And the boy asks the mole, why are we here? And the mole replies, to love and be loved. 
And that's the simple truth of this Christian faith. That we are here, we were made for love, to receive God's love. And from that place of receiving, we can offer it to others. And whether you're full of anxiety or anticipation for this year ahead, God is offering you a connection with him tonight. It might be for the first time, it might be for the first time in a long time. A connection that sustains and satisfies. And all we need to do is receive what he offers to us. Hear those words again, spoken over you every day this year. You are my son. You are my daughter. Chosen, marked by my love, the pride of my life. If you're looking for a connection this year, if you're looking for the message, for the truth, it's this, that the God of the universe is madly in love with you. So receive his love this evening. He offers it freely. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Tom. What a powerful word. Um, Why don't we uh, take a moment just to to respond and to reflect uh, on what Tom has just said so movingly and so powerfully. As we we do that, just encourage the band to, to come forward as well. Just where you are, just just sat, what I'd love for you to do is um, just to shut your eyes. Don't worry about the people next to you. Um, and uh, Claire encouraged us earlier in the service to do this. Maybe just where you are to, um, to stretch out your hands in front of you. Again, there's nothing super holy or spiritual or magical about this. It's just in our posture saying, I, I want to hear from you, God. I want to receive a gift. I want to receive something tonight. And what I'd love for you to do is just in your head and in your heart is, is answer this question. What is my connection with God at the start of this year? Who is God to me? Is he close or is he far? Do I know and trust him or am I getting to know who he is? Just let that ponder in your heart. What is your connection with God tonight? Who is he to you? as you reflect on that, as Tom was just saying so powerfully, he sees you, he made you, he knows you, and he is desperately in love with you. He adores you. And some of us, when we think of that story uh, of Tom playing football in the hallway and we're saying, shh, don't tell dad, shh, don't tell God. Sometimes we can think of this idea of God as a little bit like Father Christmas. He sees me when I'm sleeping. He sees me when I wake. He sees if I've been bad or good.